0: We did have a wonderful afternoon, thank you, uh, good a good lunch, a, a brief rest, wonderful time uh, in the Bible, in prayer, in preparation for this evening. I, I must say, this is a privilege to be here, yeah, it's, it really is. To be able to enjoy this anniversary with you, to get to meet you, to, to be able to preach here, uh, it's quite, quite, a, quite a privilege. And so we really are enjoying ourselves. I want to say to you, uh, thank you very much for the accommodations. Uh, where we're staying is very, it's very restful. We're, i rested very well last night. And um, anyway, so we appreciate that so much and appreciate getting to know you. Uh, also, enjoy being able to sing your second national anthem with you. I sang one word several times, hallelujah. (laughs) I got in on what I could, right? Yeah. (laughs) Nevertheless, I I really uh, do enjoy the opportunity to be here, and I do pray, and we have been praying as well, that God would give you something through the preaching that would encourage you, that would strengthen you, that would uh, uh, reprove, if necessary, but all for the glory of God, all to be a benefit, and all to be a help. Uh, you might be surprised if I told you that I would like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 tonight. <laughs> Believe it or not, I really do want you to go there, but it's, it's for a different, there, there are other verses in the chapter. <laughs> and we're going to look at, at one of those in particular tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. We can read into the verse. We want verse 3. We want verse 3. So we'll read into the verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all loneliness and meekness and with long-suffering, forbearing one another. In love and then this endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace tonight what I would like to visit with you about is this topic keep the unity keep the unity before we go any further though, we ought to have a word of prayer. It would help us tonight uh, for the Lord to hear from us one more time to be a help in being able to preach tonight. Brother Don, would you mind praying for us, please? Sure. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to be here together tonight. We also in our third and ideas of my heart and in my mind. We'll be you, Father, the to we the Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, so, so tonight we want to talk about keep the unity. You may be familiar of that in the Psalms there's something about this unity. I'd like to read it. There's no need for you to turn there because our text is this one we've read. But David said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In unity. In unity. It's very, very pleasant to the Lord. It's good to us and pleasant to us to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. That's a very pleasant thing. It's a good thing for brethren to dwell together in unity. Um, this, This picture that is in Psalm 133, this this oil that's anointing Aaron that's running down through his beard and down onto his garments. It's the picture of a man filled with the Spirit of God through his being. And truly this unity that we are instructed to keep is not a unity that comes from us just being together like we are tonight. It's the unity that it was brought to us by the Spirit of God. It's, it's the unity, the Bible says, of the Spirit. It's the unity of the Spirit. And so when we've gotten saved, what happens is the Spirit is at one with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, right? There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, capital W, that's Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are One, And then when we get saved and the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ, we are by the Spirit made one with them as well. One with the Father, one with the Son, one with the Holy Ghost. That is union. That's union. For us to be one with the Father and with the Lord Jesus Christ. And with each other because of what the Spirit of God has done in joining us together. That's union. That's union. But that is not necessarily unity. It's not necessarily unity. Aaron and Moses were brothers. And the passage we read or I read to you in Psalm 133 speaks of this oil that ran down Aaron's beard and onto his garments. Aaron and Moses cooperated together, right, in leading Israel out into the wilderness and then eventually on to the land of Canaan. Moses was to Aaron instead of God. Aaron was to Moses instead of a mouth. So God spoke to Moses, Moses to Aaron, Aaron to the people. So they had to, they had to work together. That's union. They're brothers But I want to tell you something, when Aaron made the golden calf and led Israel into idolatry while Moses was on the mount with God, that's not unity. It's not unity. That's union, but not unity. And so we're not endeavoring just to keep union. Union is what we have by virtue of the fact that God has put us together. Unity, that's something we have to endeavor to keep. Uh, The devil... And the Holy Spirit are at odds in this process. The Holy Spirit wants us together. The devil wants us apart. If you read through your Bible and you pay attention to what's going on with God and with the Holy Spirit, and you pay attention to what's going on with the devil, the devil wants to put things together that God wants separated. That's what the world is doing with all of this philosophy and tolerance and things that you see going on around us. The devil puts together things that God wants separated. That's why he said to us, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. What fellowship hath right Christ with Belial? What fellowship do we have as believers with unrighteousness? But at the same time, the devil wants to break apart those things that God wants together. So there's attack on the family, attack in the churches, the devil wants to separate and divide things that God wants together. And so, and so, the Lord wants accord, the devil wants discord. The other day I was uh, visiting with somebody in a, I was staying in a hotel in South Carolina. And I walked in, the receptionist was singing a song with the, uh, the other receptionist. Just a little something that said, Wow, that sounds like perfect harmony. Said, well, she said, we're of one accord. I said, people don't ordinarily use that phrase. You're saved, aren't you? Oh, by all means, she said. Yeah, that one accord. Yeah, well, I'm saved as well, so now here we're enjoying this together. So the unity of the Spirit is good and it's pleasant. But Paul said in the verse in verse 3, we must endeavor to keep. The unity of the spirit. That's, what, that's something we have to work out. We have to exert some effort and strive to keep this. It doesn't happen just because we're sitting next to each other right in this building. It's, it's much more than that. It's not just simply the result of our spiritual union. Okay? So you're enjoying a, an anniversary now, 11 years. If you would like to enjoy many more anniversaries together as the Lord tarries His coming or as we wait for His coming, then I I really encourage you to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. Okay? You're going to find in the coming years or in the coming months, I say years because it's been years getting to this point, (laughs) when you start building that building over there, There are going to be added pressures to those that you already experience, added stresses. You say, how do you know that? In the years that I've been in the ministry, I've had the opportunity to build or be involved with the church building, three church buildings, okay? There's an unusual stress that takes place during that process. And we know how the devil is. He's an opportunist. He likes to attack at moments of weakness. And so it's very easy at that time for this church to experience some things perhaps that you haven't experienced yet. When I talked to Pastor Keck, I told you about his relationship that we started our church as a ministry of his of his ministry in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and we were building the first building that Bible Believers Baptist Church in Corpus Christi built. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, you're not going to finish with the same people that you started. The people that that you start with are not going to be the same people that you finish with. That was was an interesting little thing that he gave me, but I obviously remember it to this day. And sure enough, he was right. Some unusual pressures build during a time like that, and some that were there when it started weren't there when it ended. So I'm just telling you, when he says endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, then you need to recognize this is something that, that, that you as a church must work to do. Now when we sang the first song that we sang tonight, Onward Christian Soldiers, the third verse says this, Like a mighty army moves the church of God, brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod we are not divided all one body we one in hope and doctrine one in charity we'll talk a little bit about that tonight i thought when we we you chose that song to sing tonight i thought how appropriate he didn't even know what i was going to to preach about but i saw that verse i said well that just seems to be confirmation to me we're in the right territory All right, we endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in three things, just three things. One of them is in this text, but I don't want to take that one first. In this chapter, there's also another. So let's take it first, then we'll come back to this verse. In the section of Scripture that we read this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, verse 13 says this, Ephesians 4, 13, till we all come in, look at that word, the unity, that's what we're talking about, of the faith. Well, where does your faith come from? Your faith comes from the Word of God, right? So so we're going to talk about, we're going to talk tonight about endeavoring to keep this unity in the bond, in the bond of three things, and the first thing will be in the bond of faith, in the bond of faith. You see it? Till we all come in the unity of the faith, or in this case, the bond of faith. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 5 says there's one faith. When Paul wrote to Titus, he said to Titus, My son, after, listen, the common faith. In Jude 3, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Our common faith is our common bond. Now somebody has said to me before, and you've probably heard the same thing, why are there so many different kinds of churches? And the reason is they're not in agreement on doctrine. They're not in agreement on doctrine. But I want to say, I want to say something to you about the, the, this doctrine that is associated with our faith—it's it, there's one faith. There's one God, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost—that's one. There's one God. Do you suppose that the Trinity is in disagreement about the doctrine of the Bible? No, truly, truly, the doctrine—if we know what the doctrine of the Bible is—it should be the same here in South Africa as it is in Texas. It should be. Because it's the same Holy Spirit, it's the same author of the Scripture, it's the same Word of God. There should not be disagreement. So I think that the reason that there are so many different kinds of churches and so many kinds of doctrines is because men have muddied the water. A a man will say, well that's just your interpretation. Well the Scripture says that the Scripture is not of any private interpretation. Who are we to suggest that we have the right interpretation? God has the right interpretation. When he wants us to know what he said, he tells us. When he tells us what he said, we believe that. I had a good friend of mine, and he said, he said to me one day, he's 50 years older than I was. He was the chauffeur for a wealthy family there in our area, and he said to me one day, he said, do you know what's wrong with religion? I said, what's wrong with religion? He said, it have man in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with the Bible and there's nothing wrong with the doctrine of the Bible there's something wrong with us but I believe that you have come to the proper understanding of the Scripture here I, I really believe that don't you because you're, you're, the men that teach you here they'll say this and that about the Scripture and run the cross references and you see those things clearly All right, you and I endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit when we keep the bond of faith. Yeah, we're in agreement about the matters concerning the Scripture. Um, That's one of the reasons there's so much biblical instruction in this church through Bible Institute, through things like the question and answer yesterday, through preaching today and Sunday school and those discipleship classes. That's just to bring believers into a common faith in the words of God. It's very necessary. And you know what I've learned? I have learned over the years that the most profound truths in the Bible are simple truths. These days when you hear somebody that's, that's coming with, a, a complicated doctrine where you have to really work through it to understand it, that's something wrong with that. When it's a, when it's a simple faith, it's a common faith, it should be simple enough to be able to explain it to Xander or to Zachary. And they should be able to get that the same way we do. I remember one time uh, a man who doesn't believe the Bible like we do, was pastoring a church in Corpus Christi, and he had come out of Dallas Theological Seminary. Big reputation. Some people you know have come out of that. Uh, But he, he knew that I was a King James Bible believer. We were talking one day, and he wanted me to hear a story of something that happened when he was in the seminary they were playing basketball in the gym and the janitor was waiting there in the bleachers for them to finish playing basketball so that he could close up the gym and they could go home so they're playing when they made some bad shot or knocked the ball away it rolled up there into the bleachers near where the janitor was the janitor wasn't a man of education he was a custodian when the ball got loose and got up there by the janitor he he went this guy went to get the ball and he saw the the man there the custodian and he, he said, he was, noticed he was reading the Bible. He said, what are you reading there, man? He said, I'm reading the Bible. Which one are you reading? He said, King James. Well, that should have been too hard for him to read. That's what the man was thinking. Which one? King James. Where are you reading? Revelation. <laughs> he said, man, do you understand what you're reading? He said, well, sure, I understand what I'm reading. He said, what do you understand? He said, Jesus is going to win. yeah what's complicated about that I think the profound truths are simple truths and so that's why we can have common faith because we don't have to go through a lot of instruction to understand these things discipleship yes but but not lengthy arguments to come to the common faith is shared by the members of a group we want to keep our people, as we discussed this morning, from being carried away by every wind of doctrine. And there are many winds of doctrine blowing today, and you have access to all of them because you have access to the internet. They're all there. I'll tell you, there are so many new doctrines being proposed today, I think we have an Athenian society, where all they want to do is hear and tell some new thing, right? Right? It's the old stuff, the old path, the old book. This Bible and these doctrines that we have are loaded with riches. And the Bible says strong men retain riches. Look, I realize, don't you, that the Holy Spirit is using other people besides just us here? Yeah, and don't you, I believe that the Holy Spirit is using some people who don't believe exactly like we do. And, and, and don't know the truths about the King James Bible that you and I now know. I believe that. I've seen it. I, I certainly believe it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It was a, a great revelation to me to find out that the Holy Spirit wasn't an independent Baptist. That surprised me. <laughs> but we have been given something that we can't give up on. Just so we can maybe do more out there. If we don't keep this to the next generation, the next generation won't have this. Because King James Bible believers are fewer than before. But we have a common faith. And we have a unity around our common faith. We must, listen, we must endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in The bond of faith. If somebody comes to you with a new seductive doctrine, walk away. Sometimes you'll think, oh, no, I know enough. I'm going to challenge this person in a debate. And the next thing you know, you're over your head. And then the next thing you know is that you're partly persuaded. And the next thing you knew, you're not even sure where you stand. And the next thing you know, your soil underneath you has eroded and and you're shaky. And the next thing you know, you're gone. This is a good place. And what you have is good doctrine. Endeavor to keep the the spirit in the bond of faith. I go to a preacher's meeting in Idaho in October, usually. I preach I've preached there. I've been there. Many of my friends in the northwestern part of the United States, up in here, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, uh, Wyoming, Montana, that area, they go there, and I like to see those guys. They have a, a good, rugged, pioneer spirit. I like to go up there, and, and the fellowship is good. It's encouraging to me. And uh, you know, there are some men that used to go to that meeting that aren't going anymore. Do you know what happened to them? They, they got smarter. They got smarter than the rest of the preachers that are there. Uh, they, they found a new doctrine that, that made them more spiritual than everybody else at the meeting. And so longer, we were no longer good enough for their association. They've gone off. And, and you know what? They're not coming back. We're in union because we're saved. But we're not in unity. They didn't endeavor to keep the unity. Do you understand? Yeah, and that, that's something that you have to be very careful about in your relationship with each other, in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in this church. There are many more anniversaries to come as long as the Lord tarries his coming. And when I say that, I'm using a familiar expression. It's not like the Lord is holding off. He, he knows when he's coming. Yeah. So as we wait for him, then let's stay together on what we know to be true in the scripture yeah the second thing is found in the verse that we read when we took our text this afternoon Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit all right first of all in the bond of faith secondly in the bond of what it's in it's in the in the bond of peace in the bond of peace we keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace one thing the Holy Spirit does is that he breaks down the enmity between people yeah, if, if, if people are at odds with each other but they both have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is interested in reconciliation. We see that in Ephesians 2 where you have these Jews and you have these Gentiles now in the same body and the Holy Spirit breaks down the middle wall of partition to make one new man. It's a method of, of breaking down the enmity. It's a method of, of reconciliation. How many marriages have been restored of people who were not saved but after they got saved were able to come to reconciliation and the problems they had before are now not problems they have today because they're in unity. Uh, marriage is a union but it's not necessarily unity. My wife will say to you, my wife will say, so my, my grandfather's name is Hop. I guess I should explain that just briefly. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say it again because that's how I call myself now. I introduce, you to my, I, when I introduce myself to you. I say my name is Bevins, but everybody else at home knows me as Hop. Even the children call me Pastor Hop. So this Hop thing. My, my daughter, our daughter, the mother of our, these three grandchildren, calls me Pop. That's not uncommon. But our first granddaughter, when she was learning to speak, couldn't say the first P on words that began with P, she said H. So it wasn't pepper, it was hepper. It wasn't purple, it was herple. It wasn't pop, it was hop. So when she went to phonetics and learned how to speak properly, she came to me one day and she said, listen, 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 purple. I said, that's so good. Puh, 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 pepper. I said, that's so good. And she looked right at me. She said, puh, 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 hop. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) so here I am. I'm hop. We had a lot of fun with those H stories, by the way. She was hiding in a room behind curtains one time when I was cooking. And I I stepped in the room. Where's Emma? She pulled out the curtains. (laughs) You know how kids play that little game. And I went back in the kitchen, came in. Where's Emma? Hee hee. And I went back in the kitchen, came back in. Where's Emma? The curtains didn't open. So I stepped a little closer. Where's Emma? The curtains didn't open. I stepped pretty close now. Whew. <laughs> Emma. <sighs> What's that smell? Hoopy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so, so hop, I'm hop. Okay. My wife said to me, "Hop, you know, we've been married now this may 43 years." Hop, she said, "The longer we're married, the oppositeer we are." <laughs> but we're in unity. It's not just a union. We're in unity. Yeah, we're in unity. That's what, the, that's what the Holy Spirit does in marriages. That's what the Holy Spirit does in churches. It takes these people who are oppositor. These people who came from different backgrounds. They brought people here from Catholic backgrounds and Reformed backgrounds and no backgrounds. And who knows where all you've come from. And here you are sitting in the same place listening to some guy from Texas of all places to speak to you tonight about unity in the Spirit. Well, only the Spirit of God could put that together. If He wants you here and He's led you here, then you need to learn how to get along here in peace, in peace. You know, when, you, when there isn't unity, when there isn't unity, you have to sit down and reconcile the differences to restore the unity. Right? And people don't like to do that today. As soon as they get crossway with somebody, they want to go to the internet on the social media site and then broadcast it to the world. Right? That's craziness. It's craziness. No, the, 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 the peace is obtained through reconciliation. If I get at odds with you, we sit down, we look at each other, I say to you the problem, you say to me the problem, we come to an agreement that this is not going to be a problem between us anymore, we shake hands on the deal and we move on. I don't know, why is it that old, in the olden days people who weren't even saved could get in an argument in a bar, beat each other up, shake hands and buy each other a drink after the fight? <laughs> I mean, I saw that in the Western movies, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it really happened or not, but... <laughs> No, the thing to do, if they can do that in, the, in, the, in Hollywood or the world, then certainly we can do that in the unity of the Spirit. Yeah, but you have to endeavor to keep the unity. My father, my father was raised, there were four in the family, three boys and then their younger sister. And, and these three boys were just like boys before World War II. A lot of tussling and fighting and carrying on, sibling rivalries all very close in age. My father said to me when I was in adulthood that his father, my grandfather, told them if you have to have a serious discussion with somebody that might become a heated argument, do it by the swimming pool. That way, if things get too hot to handle, you jump in and cool off. And after you cool off, you come out and you continue the conversation. That's excellent advice. That's excellent advice. Don't let a crack in the relationship become a wedge. Yeah. We're going ha- to bump heads. We're going to bump heads. But don't let that become a wedge that then causes us to separate, work out, work out, and restore the peace. I don't know why this is in our church. I don't know. Maybe because we're Texans. Uh, but some of the key people, and when I say key people, to me, everybody in the church is a key person, right? The, the Bible tells us that that little toe you have in your shoe is, is very important. Okay, I, I agree with that. But when I say key, I'm talking about they're just involved in a lot of things. They help me in a very personal way, and very, very beneficial to the ministry. But I will tell you, with some of those, in some of those relationships, there was a period where we poof, clashed like two bulls or or two two you know animals fighting just boom like that i can't explain that i suppose it's because they get pretty determined that something has to happen a certain way and the other one as well and poof. but we reconcile We went past that, and we're keeping the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And I will say, through this, we actually became stronger in our relationship. That wasn't intended to knock us down. Listen, Paul told Barnabas, I don't want to take Mark with us on the second journey. But at the end of his ministry, he told Timothy, bring Mark, because he's profitable to me for the ministry. You get over those things. You get over those things. And you work at that. One of the worst things you can do when you're at odds with somebody in this church is become a whisperer. That's the worst thing you can do. Whisperers separate chief friends. You don't want to do that. Worst thing you can do is become a tailbearer. Where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. The last thing in the world you want to do if you're at odds with somebody is go tell somebody else, you know, I'm at odds with that person there. No, no, debate, listen, you, you're supposed to go directly to the person, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another. It's none of, the, it's none of their business. Don't make it their business. You settle your business face to face. Well, you say, I don't like confrontation. All right, then quit, quit getting in trouble. <laughs> That's the solution to that. But if you don't like confrontation, I'll tell you what, you will love the reconciliation if you will go through. How many people have said in their marriages, yeah, we had a real knockdown, dragout, drag out. But boy, the making up sure is fine. Haven't you heard that? Is it true or false? True? True? Yeah, it's true in our relationship. My wife and I got in a discussion one day. A discussion that turned into an argument. And we, were, we, we hadn't been married very long. We were in a little apartment, a, a, little, a little apartment, and we had a little stove with four little burners, and we were trying to make hamburgers, patties, uh, on, in the skillet on the, on the stove. And I, I was very volatile. It didn't take much to, for me to get mad. And she said something, and I got mad. And she said something else, and I just got madder. And so we're we're, we're making, like you make a meat patty, you boil it up like this, right? And then you flatten it down. So I've got the ball of meat. And and so the only expression I had for that was just to throw it on the floor. (laughs) I I said, ah, boom, there. And we both looked down at the same time, and on the floor was a perfect meat patty. (laughs) And we just busted out laughing, scooped it up, threw it in the skillet, and that was the end of that. (laughs) Some of these things do not have to be that hard. They really don't have to be that hard. Particularly don't make it worse by going around. Just don't, just don't just stop that. That's the work of the devil. That's not, or you shouldn't say the devil, really. The devil capitalizes on that work of tailbearers and whisperers. Don't do that. Listen, you say, what do I do, though, if somebody comes to me and wants to tell me about something somebody has done? You ready for this? It's very profound. The profound truths are simple. Don't listen. Well, I don't want to be rude. Don't listen. When we first started the church in Corpus Christi, I say we started the church, there are all these people, and now we have a church. There was a lady in the church who had it out for somebody in the church. And so instead of just going and taking care of business, she went over here to tell her what was going on here. And these people came to me and said, what are we to do about that? I said, next time she comes to you, just don't listen. Just tell her, sorry, we, that's not our business. And so that's what happened. And so she went to somebody else. And those people came to me, what do we do about this? I said, just next time it happens, don't listen. Well, that happened five times. Listen, when she ran out of ears, she left the church, cast out the scorner. Right? And the, and, the, and, the, and the strife ceases. I, we didn't have to do anything. If you don't have anybody to tell and you don't want to reconcile it, you go somewhere else. In the, in the States, we call that a backdoor revival. <laughs> 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 they took care of business another way. So, so endeavor... <laughs> endeavor... To keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of faith, in the bond of peace. And then one more thing. I told you, there's just three. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. Colossians 3, verse 14. Now notice, he starts out the verse, and above all these things. Some of you are parents here. And you're going to take a trip and you say to your children, okay, do this and do this and do this. And I'm telling you, make sure above all these things you do this, right? Then that becomes the most important thing. Well, there are very important things in Colossians chapter 3. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Mortify, therefore, your members on earth, right? Put on the new man. Those are very important things. But he says in verse 14, above all these things. So this must be very important. Okay. Above all these things, put on charity, which is what? The bond of perfectness. We talked about perfecting the saints this morning. All right. The bond of perfectness is charity. So you endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of charity. The bond of charity. Charity is the bond of perfectness. All right, have we seen this? Do you you see the verse? Is it clear to you what you see? All right, so to get a little bit, just a little bit better understanding of the application here, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, this thing on charity. Matthew chapter 5, verse... 48, be, that's the last verse in Matthew 5, be therefore what? Perfect. Even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Charity is the bond of perfectness. Do you know what the context of verse 48 is in Matthew chapter 5? Look at verse 44. Love your enemies. Wow. So charity is something that carries you very, very much further than loving your best friend or loving those that you decide you want to get along with. This this goes so far as to say even loving your enemies. Jesus told his disciples to love people that didn't love them. And you know something? You can do this. You can do this. I know that because Paul said to the Corinthians, the more, what? the more abundantly I love you, what? The less I be loved. They did not reciprocate his love and yet he he didn't just love them, more abundantly and the more abundantly that he loved them, the less they loved him. So not only was it not reciprocal, it was inverted. He was loving more and they were loving less and yet he continued to love them more. That's the kind of charity he's talking about here, okay? We keep the unity of the Spirit when we love one another. And is that not, listen, I say, listen, you're listening. I I say that because that's just like the pause. I shouldn't say, listen, you're listening. I see that. Jesus gave us one commandment, a new commandment, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you love one another. That's it. He's, that's all he said. Not, not, love your, not, not love your neighbor as yourself. No, he said, not, that's the old one. The one I have for you is that you love one another as I have loved you. That's pretty heavy love because it's very sacrificial, right? Jesus is not into this relationship for what he can get out of it. He's into this relationship for what he can give. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The responsibility of husbands is to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And, and you know, that's just, you do that regardless of whether you get the reciprocated love. You say, well, yeah, but the person that, that you want me to love is different than me. That's why he said in the context of verse 3, in all lowliness and meekness, forbearing one another. You got to put up with some things. With each other. Right? That's okay. If I love you, I'm willing to put up with those things. You know, you, you may have experienced something like this, some of you that are married here. You may have, or, or wanting to get married someday or whatever. You may have experienced something like this. Or maybe I'm just making a confession that's all mine. (laughs) (laughs) Nevertheless, you'll understand it. You know, you have an expectation when you get married that your wife could be such and such. And she has an expectation that you could be such and such. And and there was a period early in our marriage where I was loving my wife for what I think she could be more than what she was. The potential. Do you understand? I'm, I'm not sure if you understand that, but... Makes it, okay, And so I said something to her about that one day, and here's what she said to me. This is, this is why I'm telling you the story, because what she said is so profound. She said to me, if you don't love me the way that I am, you don't really love me at all. If you don't love me the way that I am, you don't really love me at all. Man, I had to go and think about that a while. But after I thought about it a while and began to love her for who she is, because that's what Jesus told me to do, without me trying anything, she has become even more than what I expected she might be. She exceeded my expectations and exceeded the potential. So if you've got somebody that you're having a hard time, love them, love them more. For who they are, just the way they are. You might be surprised down the road what that relationship becomes. But for one thing, for sure, it will definitely be the bond of charity. When you think about the three things we just mentioned here the bond of faith, the bond of peace, the bond of charity you know something? Church splits don't make sense to me. Not with this. That doesn't, they don't make sense to me. I realize it's carnal. I realize that it's men. I realize the devil is is assisting in this. But if we do those three things, it doesn't make sense that we won't be together later. Because we're endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the three critical areas. The bond of peace, the bond of faith, and the bond of charity. And Peter, when he wrote about charity, he said this, above all things, he's like Paul. Above all things, have fervent charity, fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. You know what fervent charity is? I mean, that is a charity that is marked by intense feeling. It's so easy to walk up to somebody, take them by the hand, shake my hand, it's okay, it's all right, it's okay. Okay. And say, and look them in the eye and say, love you, bro. So easy to say that, but it's not easy to do that sometimes, but when you have begun to love the way that Christ loves, which is what he told us to do, and they know you love that way, you, 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 you don't even have to say, love you, bro, because they already know. So it's not that you wouldn't say it, but, it but, but it's trite now to put it into words. Because there's a bond there that supersedes words and hides a multitude of sins. We're not perfect people. And we're going to make mistakes. And we're going to have to be amongst a body of believers where where we mess up. We know that we are still accepted in the beloved and accepted in the congregation. I realize there's certain sins that will poison a congregation. Those have to be dealt with in a certain thing. But those were, thank God, more rare. Yeah, they're more rare. And I'll tell you, you know, if, if I'm bonded to you in love and bonded to you in peace and bonded to you in faith, there's not much that can break that. Yeah. Okay. Certainly, certainly the devil does not have any advantage there. And even he, even us in our weakness get through those. So so. You're endeavoring to, remember, you're endeavoring to keep something that the Spirit has done. It's the, it's the unity of the Spirit. So you're not working to create it. You're just working to keep it. That's all. That's all. My mother lived to be 95 and a half years old. She died this past May, not quite a year ago. Um... She said to me, and I I mentioned this the other day, but she said to me, do you remember when you were five years old and like a month after you turned five, suddenly you were telling everybody you're five and a half years old? That half year, remember how important that half year was? I said, yeah, I remember that. She said, well, you get to be my age. That half year gets to be very important again. (laughs) She said, you know you're getting old when your doctor gives you a half year calendar for Christmas. (laughs) We got a telephone call from one of the caregivers on a Sunday. She lives an hour and a half from Corpus Christi that if you want to see her, come see her now. So as many of us as could go over there. I made the drive and still had to get back for the service that evening. But as many as of as us as could got there. And we had a wonderful visit with her. But here's what she said, really the last memorable words I have from her. She looked around at all her children that are there. There's are six of us in the family. She's looking at all of us. And she says this, all of my children are together. And it makes me so happy. You all get along. And it makes me so happy. And I thought to myself as I left there driving back to the church, if it's that important to my mother that we're all getting along before she passes, how important must it be to God that we're all getting along? It must be very important. It must make Him very happy. So let's endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in, help me with the three, the bond of faith, the bond of peace, and the bond of charity. Father, thank you tonight for an opportunity to be encouraged in the words of God and instructed. Help us to be faithful stewards of those things you've given us from your scripture tonight. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Have you all stand. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Just for a few moments. I'm not going to keep you long. Have the piano player come and just play softly for a few moments. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want to give you time to to pray over this and let the seeds kind of sink in deep. The pianist will play just softly for a few moments. I want to give you guys plenty of time to fellowship, then get home, get some rest. I'm so glad you were here tonight. We, we got some really good stuff tonight. We got helped tonight. And, and you know what I really like about it? There's, there's nothing about this message that we can see immediately the results of. That's something that will help us five months from now, five years from now, 15 years from now. These things are going to continue to help us. You know what you really might want to concentrate on here? Ask Ask the Lord to show you, that verse said endeavoring. So Lord, where where have I not made a good enough effort to keep that bond with my brother or sister? Do I need to have that uncomfortable conversation to make things better? Have I failed to study my Bible like I should to find out what the truth is and what the faith is? Have I made a genuine effort to love my brother and sister regardless of their faults? Love covers a multitude of sins. You can put up with a lot if you love them. When we purchased our house, we entered into a bond. It was a long-term decision. Bank gave us 20 some odd years to pay that bond, long term. We're in it for the long haul. And every month we endeavor to pay that bill, because it's a bond tonight I want you to enter into a long term agreement with the Lord Lord I'm going I'm to pay that bill every week every month, every chance I get I'm going to get tighter this is part of compacting together as a body and when things threaten to split us apart let's see those as opportunities to apply what Jesus taught us You know, there are a few times that even Jesus had to have an uncomfortable conversation with his disciples. They got a little sideways and pear-shaped with him. You know this man? I don't know this man. I don't know this man. Just a few weeks later, you love me, Peter? I love you. You love me, Peter? I love you. They made it right. It happens. Literally to the best of them. (laughs) It happens to the best of people. Father, I want to thank you for the assistance, for the help tonight, feeding feeding us, God, we were fed tonight. Lord, we want to enter in as a church to that commitment to, to trying our level best to endeavor to keep that unity that the Spirit of God has introduced to us. We want to keep the unity with you, yes, but with each other as well. Father, whatever that requires, help us. We want to put that effort into it. It's worth it. Lord, all the challenges that are going to be coming our way, and they will, we know that your grace is sufficient. Lord, I pray you'd help us to get home safe. Let everybody get some good rest tonight. Give them a great day at work tomorrow. Let them come back ready to worship in spirit and in truth. Father, thank you for what you've already done. Please continue to work in Jesus' name. Amen.